My name is Daniela, and you are listening to the Audacious Path Podcast, the one and only podcast that is specifically aimed at adventure creators just like you and me. Every two weeks, I talk to other creators within the adventure sphere, and I ask them about how they started and grew their adventure creator business. In this episode, I'm talking to Marisa from Sailing Avocet. In addition to running her YouTube channel, Marisa also runs a digital marketing agency aimed at other adventure creators. During our chat, Marisa shared how to use social media to grow your adventure creator business, including things like how to post in Facebook groups and not come across as spammy. You can reach a massive audience just by posting your video to three groups. How do you use paid ads to grow your audience? I've had a lot of success with low budget campaigns, meaning like $5 campaigns over the course of five days. How do you use search engine optimization? So I don't wanna say that SEO is everything, but in digital marketing, it kind of is. And which metrics should you be tracking to ensure that you're not wasting your time? You know, if your audience is growing, you're gonna get more engagement. And much, much more. You can find Marissa on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Pinterest, at SVAboset, or you can go directly to her digital marketing agency, fairwindmediamarketing.com. And I would absolutely love to hear what you think of this episode. As you listen along, you can tag me at The Audacious Path, or you can send me a DM and uh, enjoy the episode. I guess to start out with, um, it would be really cool if you were to introduce yourself and tell me a little bit about like what you're doing. So I know you have an agency and you also have a YouTube channel, but yeah, just can you give like an overview of like who you are? <laughs> yeah. So I am Marissa. I am one half of the crew of Sailing Avocet. We have a YouTube channel, Instagram, all of the social media stuff. But besides that, what I do for work is I um, own and operate a management Sorry, I own and operate a digital marketing company called Fairwinds Media, and that is how we make the money to go do the cruising. And I remember when I first um, reached out to you and said that I wanted to talk to you, I was like, well, you know, like, what does PR entail? And the first thing that you said to me is, um, I'm not in PR, I'm in digital marketing. What's the difference? Oh my goodness. Okay. So there's, there is a lot of overlap with PR and with digital marketing, um, but let me read you the textbook definition just because I want to make sure I get it right and I don't offend any of my PR people. Digital marketing is the act of selling or promoting the products and services of a business. And public relations is pub is professionally maintaining an impressive image of the business organization or the company in the public eyes. So there is a lot of overlap when it comes to that. Like, obviously, if you're doing digital marketing, you want to put your best foot forward. You want to use your best brand voice. Um, but you're in PR, you're not necessarily selling the product. You're just making sure it looks good. But in digital marketing, you're making sure it looks good and you're selling the product. So it's it's both, but it's not, if that makes sense. And what does that entail? Like what are the that what are the things that you work with? Like um just off the top of my head, you're you're writing articles is one thing. Like what are the different things you're doing? Okay. So as a business in total, uh, I keep telling people Fairwinds Media operates underneath the digital marketing umbrella in its entirety. So Although I say we don't do PR, there is a little bit of light PR work involved, um, but I manage you know, social media accounts, I do ad campaigns, I track analytics, I make sure your Yelp reviews look good, I look for opportunities and um, I keep on trend with um, you know, like social media trends. I make sure that there, if something comes across that is beneficial for one of my clients. I send it their way and like, hey, you should definitely consider doing this trend. It's perfect for you. Get after it. So it's very involved. Basically, if there's anything to do online, I, I'm doing it. 
So how do digital marketing strategies differ when you're talking about um, these specific sailing audiences versus like a more broad audience? That's really, that comes down to targeting a niche audience. So such as like adventure YouTubers, followers, they require more tailored digital marketing approach um, to effectively engage and connect with them. So some strategies that differ when targeting a specific niche audience compared to like broader audiences would be you need to have a deeper understanding of your niche before creating an, any market. You need to understand your audience, right? Like you can't just create a product and then throw it out there and hope that it sticks to something. You have to understand who you are selling to because even though as a adventure YouTuber, you're not necessarily selling a product, you are selling yourself as entertainment. So um, understanding the interests, preferences, behaviors, and uh, habits of your audience can help you tailor your content to reach them effectively. So that could be, as an example, that could be sharing tips for adventure gear, techniques for capturing great footage, insights into the, like the lesser known adventure destinations and things like that. So for sailing YouTubers, a big thing is like Anchorage reviews. Um, you know, you want to make sure you know what Anchorage you're sailing into. So if you create content that gives a very in-depth look at a specific Anchorage and shows where to let, where to lay your hook, what you can find on shore, that's really beneficial for your audience. And how easy is it for you personally to switch from like a sailing adventure to like another type of adventure? Or are you specifically staying within that sailing space? Because one of the things that I noticed, because now I'm doing like land-based adventures, probably equally as much as I'm doing sailing adventures, is that the age of my audience has dropped about 20 years. For me personally, I enjoy being a specialist because I tend to have more clients within the adventure space. So I, my background is in ski business, actually, of all things. I went to college for ski business resort management and global business management. And I, uh, I love the outdoor space, which is why I went into the industry. And there's actually a lot of similarities between the ski industry and the sailing industry. Like there's a common misconception that you have to be rich to enjoy either, which isn't true. We all know this. If you love something, you will make it work. And uh, marketing to both audiences is actually shockingly very similar as well. So I found that anything under the adventure umbrella, you can you can make connections, right? Like you can recognize similarities because people who love the outdoors um, generally like more than one thing outdoors. Like bikers can go hiking or skiers can go sailing. So you just have to find the common denominators. And once you figure that out, you've cracked the code and you can kind of go between the two, but you go from the adventure space to a bookstore and you're like, uh, there's not much there, I guess, unless you're trying to promote, go to the library. There's lots of adventures and books and things like that, but it's just, it's different. Right. So I have found that my genius really lies in the adventure space. So that's kind of who I cater to primarily, but I'm definitely up for the challenge. If anyone out there, if a bookstore out there wants to let me try my hand at getting them some more followers, I'm down for it. And so I'm guessing that also means that for me as an adventurer, if I was going to hire a digital marketer, it actually would be more important for me to hire someone who has specialty in that space as well, right? Yeah. I mean, that's just like with any business, right? You want to find the right person for the job. So if someone is like, oh, I can do this for you, but they have no experience in sailing or 
you know, the ocean, then it might be a little tough because there's a lot of things with sailing where it's so particular. Like we all, we have our own vocabulary, which can be really tough to explain to people as is. But if you hire someone who understands that already, then they have an upper hand on it and they can really target your audience better. You know, they can say like, Hey, look to your start or swipe starboard for more information or something like that. You know, it's all in the vocabulary and the presentation. As you said that you're like swipe star, my, the thought that immediately popped in my head is how, beginners are the most hungry audience of any audience. So how do you balance that with making sure you're targeting that hungry audience who might not know that jargon? Yeah. So this, I can, I can answer this from a personal experience. So with our YouTube channel, Sailing Avocet, obviously we are not prolific YouTubers. We only upload about once a month because we're both doing a respective business. But when we do upload, I try to make sure that we are giving more than we take. So what I mean by that is when it comes to our videos, I like to leave the audience feeling like they got something from it um, since in trade they're giving us their attention. So whether that's me giving more historical facts on the places we visit or sharing a story from one of the locals or, you know, something we learned along the way, that's one way you can help beginners lower the barrier to entry. And I try to make sure that anytime we're doing a project, this is a big one. Anytime we're doing a project, I make sure that Chris dumbs it down a lot, not only for me, because I'm learning a lot as he's doing these major projects like an engine rebuild, um, but also for anyone else who might be like me and not understand the first thing about engines or sailing or any of these things. Like you want to make sure you're, you're not excluding people and making them feel stupid or like they can't ask questions. I want to let people feel like they can ask questions. So um, I think over explaining is definitely something that people should utilize in their videos or any content that they're making just because it makes people more welcome and want to engage with you. How do you balance that with making sure that you're providing an authentic experience? Because you're obviously like really thinking about like over delivering and providing what you think the audience needs. But a lot of us in the space are vloggers, right? So we're showing our life. So how do you balance those? That is tough. So that's really tough for vloggers because I mean, I mean, you also as a vlogger and as a video consumer, you know, a good video from a bad video, right? Like you can watch a video and you're like, I got nothing from that. Like click it off, whatever. And then, you know, a good video and like, wow, that was a good video that made me feel something. I'm going to share this on social media. So I guess it just comes down to when you are videoing, you know, your entire life and you sit down to edit your entire life and prepare to share that with the world, you kind of have to reel it in a little bit and be like, why am I filming this? Why am I editing this? What is the premise of this? And if the premise is to become YouTube famous, then yeah, you really need to focus on your storyline. You need to focus on the presentation, make sure you're giving the audience something. You want to give them the drama. You want to give them the excitement, you know? But if you're filming something because you want to give the authentic sailing experience, then yeah, you're going to be 100% real. And you're going to be more like the Sailor Jameses of the world and be, you know, just 100% yourself. And people are either going to love it or they're going to hate it. And that's really hard to deal with because the internet is so volatile with what people like and don't like. And it's hard to compare. It's like, why did this video work? But this one didn't. So it's a lot of trial and error involved. And you might have to have like a really tough 
face-to-face conversation with yourself and be like, okay, it must just be me. We got to pivot. We got to do something different. And, you know, you go from there. I've found in my interviews that the channels that are able to purely vlog in the sense where they're like just showing their life and they're not actively trying to tell a story, that typically their situation is so unique compared to anyone else out there that they can get away with it. Like I interviewed Holly from Sailing Wind Hippie and like she spends like three hours editing her um, episodes, which just like blew my mind. And we started talking through it and it was her and White Spotted Pirates, which were like the first female solo sailing channels out Mm -hmm. there. And I was like, well, I think that like is part of the reason why you're able to get away with like not storyboarding or not spending as much time getting these glamorous cinematic shots and like, you know, doing sound design because you entered this niche at a time when like there was nobody else out there. You're the only person. Um, So it, it sounds like you agree. You're sitting there nodding your head, like your ability to like, like cater to your audience really depends on how big is that space that you're in. Exactly. And that's actually a very good observation that you made. So we have this conversation with Chris's older brother, not frequently, but it does come up a lot because for those who don't know, Chris's older brother is John from SV Prism and SV Prism was one of the first sailing YouTube channels. And uh, they did a wonderful job with their delivery. Their presentation was, it was top notch for the time of YouTube because John's background is also in cinematography and travel documentaries in particular. So they were able to give that kind of presentation online at a time where it didn't really exist. Like I think Delos was around and um, like distant shores, but that was really it. So they entered the market at a really good time. They had a pretty big following at 26,000. And then in recent years, they just stopped uploading and they just went to enjoy sailing. But (laughs) because of that they're like yeah like why aren't your videos doing good because our channel is only at we're almost to twenty thousand. we've been uploading for five years and you know our content is i'd like to say higher end but at the end of the day it's just for fun and we're like well if we entered the market at the time you did we'd probably be doing great right now but since we entered it at a time where there's so many creators pretty much offering the same thing more or less it's just it is what it is And we're not necessarily fighting for our space up there either. So yeah, you have to be aware of the space that you're entering into. So if anyone out there is considering becoming an an adventure creator, I would highly recommend doing your market research and understanding who your competitors are. And I don't say that because you want to be competitive with them and beat them, but because you want to identify the opportunity to collaborate because that is crucial, I have found right now in particular with such a flooded market, you need to make those connections and make make yourself known across multiple channels. Interesting that you, what you're saying. So um, I have a friend that was, um, they wanted to get space. They've gotten really interested in what I'm doing. They're really excited about this kind of work. And I'm um, doing a bunch of research and found that like silent video, silent adventures are like really, really popular ones that like really enhance like the audio component of it, whatever. Okay. And, and that makes me think that like it, rather than like entering the space and just like going blindly in, like your better option is to really do, like you said, the market research, but see if you can find a space that's not being filled because that will be so much easier to grow. Yes, Absolutely. Um, that impressive that your friend discovered that good for them. I, I applaud market research. I love that because I talk to so many people that are like, I'm going to go on YouTube and I'm going to make all this money. And it's like, Oh my God, 
I wouldn't recommend that. I wouldn't put all of your eggs in the YouTube basket, especially now because of how just flooded the market is on all adventure fronts, especially after COVID. Like we've seen van lifing explode. We've seen sale lifing explode. We've seen tiny homes, basically any alternative lifestyle or adventure lifestyle um, has exploded in recent years. And there is something for everyone, which is great, but also, you know, can make it a little hard to become the next La Vagabond or the next Delos. So that's why I am a big advocate for collaboration rather than competition, because if you look at everyone as a competitor, you will never be happy. You will never create something that is authentic to yourself. But if you look at people as, if you look at other creators as the potential to collaborate, you will have the time of your life meeting like-minded people and creating something fun and unique because for you to say that, because um, it's really like, you know, like I'm trying to help people get into the adventure space. And right now I'm actually making a course to get people into YouTube. And I think it's always like a good reminder to be like, I want to help those who really want to commit to this, but also I, I, I'm on your page where I wouldn't necessarily encourage it yeah. either, you know? So that's good. It's good for people to get a reality check. Like there's other easier ways to make money. There are. <laughs> Way easier and if, ways. <laughs> and if the goal is internet fame or you want your name to be known, like I totally get that. And I respect that. Like everyone has their thing. If that's your goal, go for it. I support it. But again, don't put all your eggs in the YouTube basket because you will be heartbroken. There's other avenues. Digital marketing help people's videos like you have your videos that tell a story and then you have Instagram, which you tell a story on and TikTok, yeah. and you have to tell a story. How do all of those together tell a story? Okay. It depends on the story. Hopefully you're telling the same story across the board, because if you're not, that's very confusing, but um, digital marketing techniques can definitely enhance the storytelling aspect of adventure YouTube videos. And it can create overall, it can create a deeper connection with your audience. So Although it's tough to film a whole story planned out already, especially if you're a sailing channel, I can speak from experience. Our days are pretty much different every day. So unless you really, really know everything that's going to happen from the weather to, you know, what's going on on shore, it can be tough to film an entire storyline perfectly. But if you have a very rough idea and you go out and film and then you sit down and you create the story later then it's a lot easier to streamline that creative process. And you can film, you can then map out more of a narrative structure and post and make sure your videos have a clear narrative arc, which means introduction or rising action, climax, climax and resolution. Um, and you should be asking yourself, why are people watching this video? And make sure you give more than you take. I mentioned that earlier. So uh, once you have the story figured out and it's a good story, it's very easy to promote that across all channels. You want to make sure that you have good support um, outside of YouTube because YouTube will only take you so far. If you're trying to get more viewers, those you're going to find elsewhere. Um, that's why your CTAs, your call to actions should be very strong. I like to post a lot in Facebook groups. There are so many groups on Facebook and they are very underutilized, especially in the adventure YouTube space. I've noticed you can reach a massive audience just by posting your video to three groups and be authentic about it. Don't just drop a link and leave, like 
give again, give more than you take. Say, hey, group, my name is XYZ. I live on a sailboat. I visited this place and I think it would benefit the group because, and then, you know, list your reasons. Say, I would enjoy hearing your thoughts on this video. Uh, talk to you soon, whatever. You know, just be nice, be authentic, leave your video and then see what happens because we personally have had a lot of success doing that. Um, and I have for my, when you're, I, I have so many thoughts floating <laughs> in my head because um, one of the things that I've heard about is that for one, you want to make sure that where you post it, you're not just bringing in any audience. You want to make sure it's a quality mm -hmm. audience. That's the first point there. So how, what can you speak to that a little bit? Absolutely. So the quality audience, that's very important because if you, some people have done this in the past and it always backfires. You can go online and you can buy views. You can buy subscribers. You could basically buy anything you want on the internet. We know this. But what that does is that doesn't translate well on the Google or the YouTube analytics side. So you might get like a huge influx of subscribers, but you don't have any views. The, the YouTube algorithm is going to look at that and you're going to get flagged and they're going to be like, okay, something suspicious is happening here. And that goes against the YouTube policies. And then you could lose your channel. So that's scary. So that is not a quality view or subscriber. A quality viewer subscriber is someone that is going to watch your videos, is, so, is someone that actually wants to subscribe to your content. It's not just a drive-by subscribe. It's someone who actually cares about what you're saying. So that's why I find it important to cross post and promote in groups and places and spaces that actually care. So like I said, DIY, DIY video, DIY audience. There you go. Um, there shouldn't be any issues there. Obviously read the group rules before you post, but um, it's very beneficial to do that because then you know that that's, that's your target. It's they're all there. And those groups are huge on Facebook. They range from like a couple thousand to like a million. It's wild. Is that um, beyond like uh, buying an audience? Um, one of the things that I did when I first started is I would post my YouTube channel to like pretty much anything that was even like a little bit related. But as a result, I brought in people who would maybe like watch my video for like a minute, but because it wasn't completely related to what they wanted, they weren't watching long enough. And so quality for me also means like bringing someone who's going to watch a lot of your video and then go on to watch more and then come back again. And if it's not related enough, like if you're posting sailing, but you post to a specific like New Zealand travel mm -hmm. group. Well, they might be interested in New Zealand, but they're not going to be interested in sailing and therefore they're just not going to stick around. Okay. So quality also has another level, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. You're 100% correct. So that is up to the creator to vet what kind of quality they're going for. If they just want views, you can get views. But if you want consistent views on everything, you're going to have to work for it. And that's why people hire me is because they realize that it's a lot of work. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it sure yeah. is. <laughs> not everyone has time for that. And I completely respect it. It is, like I said, it's a lot of work and it can drive people crazy, especially on YouTube. We've seen a lot of people talk about burnout. Um, it is a full-time job if you want it to be. And when you're not getting that ROI that you are set out to do, like let's say you do a, you film for two weeks straight and then you spend 40 hours editing and then you get 200 views on your video that probably doesn't feel good. That's probably really frustrating. And I can totally get why that leads to burnout. But 
you know, you in the business, they say you have to spend money to make money. And if time is money, you have to spend your time to make money. So it, it can be really rough, especially for people that have the YouTube dream and they're like, I'm going to make money off YouTube. In reality, it's, it's pretty tough. Because <laughs> I had someone, they looked at my podcast and they're like, you're only getting like 100 and 200 views on your podcast. And I was like, oh, that's great, actually. Um, I expected that. And the reason why is because I, my podcast is specifically aimed at YouTube adventure creators. It doesn't get any more specific than that. <laughs> and that's a really, it's a really, really small yeah. space. And I actually compared my numbers to another guy who works in the creator space. And he was getting like, and he, his podcast has been going for years and he was getting between like 500 to 4,000 mm -hmm. views on his podcast. And it's considered one of the biggest podcasts in the creator space. And he's been going for six years. And I was like, so if I'm getting like one to 200 and I've only got five podcasts released, that's not that's bad. Not and for me, it's, yeah, for me, it's not about views. It's about getting those people off YouTube, right? And if I can get 10%, 5% of those people off YouTube into my newsletter, and then eventually I'm hoping that they will trust me enough that they will buy my course, it doesn't freaking matter. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's also about like, what are your goals? Where are you trying to go exactly. with it? Because one to 200 views can be good if your goal's not to blow up and um, get mad. Yeah, exactly. So. You, it, and that goes back to the creator too. You just have to figure out why you're doing it. And then once you reach your goal, you're like, okay, good enough. Like we're good. Sign off YouTube. Like I did the thing. We're good to go. So it, it comes back to the creator. If you want to keep being successful on YouTube, then keep going for it. Work hard. It's going to be hard work, but once you fall into it, it's, you know, it could be sweet, but it's going to be a job episode, then I also recommend that you sign up for my newsletter where every two weeks I share research back and tested advice on how to start, grow, and monetize your adventure creator business. The newsletters include information on how to start your channel, how to build a brand, how to storytell, how to edit and build an income and much, much more. And I hope that you will join the growing list of creators that are making their adventure lifestyle sustainable. One of the things that I had read was that um, you want to grow via browse. People said browse is the best way to grow because that's really when YouTube starts pushing your videos to a wider audience beyond what you know you can personally reach with posting to groups and stuff like that. So what is the role of search engine optimization or SEO words, keywords in order to get found? That SEO is everything, but in digital marketing, it kind of is, or at least it's the cornerstone of the entire operation. So SEO is crucial for gaining visibility in the digital landscape, including platforms like YouTube. Um, it helps content creators, including um, adventure YouTubers, improve their chances of being discovered by a larger audience. So when it comes to YouTube, optimizing your video titles and your thumbnails is really, really important. And anyone who's been on YouTube knows that because they drill that into you. Um, and that's why we get a lot of clickbaity type things, which isn't necessarily helpful because then you fall into the, to the feedback loop that you already mentioned of, you know, people watch for a couple seconds and then they're like, oh, this isn't what I wanted. And then they click out. Um, so anyways, uh, luckily you don't have to be a true digital marketer with years of experience to have good SEO. They have a lot of platforms now that are free, such as TubeBuddy, where it has all of the tools you need and more available to you. So you can research the weight of your tags, 
um, your description, make sure your thumbnail is good to go and clear resolution. It has all those checks for you so you can upload your video and be at your best foot forward, which is really nice. Um, you do have to pay to use it, I believe, but if you want to be serious about YouTube, I would recommend it. Um, and also <laughs> people tend to forget that SEO is an ongoing process. It's not just enter all the things and leave it. If you want your SEO to really work, you have to maintain it. You have to go back and look at those tags and make sure that they are reaching the people you want them to reach. You have to regularly analyze your video performance and adjust the optimization strategies accordingly. So staying up to date with changes in search algorithms and trends is also very important platforms for people to choose from when they are on YouTube. Like if you want to get off YouTube and bring your audience to something else like Instagram, for example, where you can connect with them a little bit better. How do you recommend people go about choosing which platforms to be on? How many platforms and how do you recommend they use them? On as many platforms as possible, which is very overwhelming for some people. But if your goal is to get uh, more reach and impressions, then that is your best bet. You want to reach as many people as possible because, especially today, the younger generation is not typically on Facebook and the older generation is not typically on Instagram. So if you want to, you know, reach both of your audiences in two different age groups, ranges, you have to diversify. You have to be on both of those platforms to coexist, to bring in as much um, potential audience as possible. And same with TikTok. TikTok. Um, I was thinking about, um, again, this uh, community that I'm in, one of the things they say is don't do that. Um, and their reasoning why is because you end up spreading yourself too thin mm -hmm. and it's hard to master platforms if you're doing too many. Yes. And their recommendation was um, master platform and then use that to leverage your collaboration with someone else who is succeeding on another platform totally. to uh, like, they'll give you your audience, you'll give them your audience. So taking in regard what you're saying, because I think but both of these ideas resonate mm -hmm. with me. How do you, I say, fit with what you say? Does that make so sense? So you are 100% correct. And I definitely endorse that thought as well. If you are one person doing this, that is really overwhelming. And that 100% will lead to burnout. If you're trying to exist on all these platforms and each platform has their own specific tone, you know, like Facebook has become more like LinkedIn where it's a little bit more professional Instagram, since it is younger audience, is a little bit more playful and TikTok is just, TikTok is trash and I love it. You know, it's, it's like where just, it's not, it's not refined content. That's what I mean by that. So you have to master all these different tones and it's really fun for someone like me who does this as a business because I am fluent in all of these different uh, social media languages, which is why I'm able to offer that to my clients. Um, I do think it is important for people to exist on all platforms, maybe not master every platform, but at least have something on each platform that connects and links back to your primary um, goal. If it's YouTube, link it back to YouTube. If it's your website for blogs, link it back to your blogs. Post to it whenever you can, but if you can master cross-posting at the very least, you are golden because the more... Um, backlinking, the more SEO, the more times you type in your name, that is all building up credibility. And that is so valuable. So I also agree with the collaboration part of your group. That is so valuable. And I'm so glad that they mentioned that because 
that's crucial too. If someone else is doing, and that's just in life, right? If someone else is doing something perfectly and you're kind of lacking, but you can, but you have something perfect and they're lacking, that's a trade. That is a collaboration. That is a win-win situation. Everyone is happy. You all go home with more views. You all go home with a good experience. Um, that is so valuable. So instead of looking at people as competition, look at them as collaboration opportunities. What popped in my head again, going yeah. back to my group, is um, the idea of true followers. How do you ensure, if you're going to be spread across all of these platforms, how do you ensure that you're still attracting true followers? Because those are going to be the ones that are eventually going to set up to your, your patrons or buy yeah. your product or your service, whatever it is. How do you balance that? So it all comes down, and at least this is my opinion, it all comes down to the verbiage that you use in the description. You know, it comes back to the CTAs. You want to make sure your call to actions are strong. If you want to get more views, you want to say, hey, check out my latest video. And then people who are actually genuinely curious will do that. They will follow through. And that's why I also think instead of doing links, um, having short videos accompany your call to action. So on Facebook, this is a perfect example. Instead of just dropping your link with your thumbnail, do a short video, do a reel or whatever. Um, post that, which is like, you know, just a snapshot of the video you're promoting and say, for more, check out the full video on YouTube. And, you know, you would hope that your content is good enough to really hook the people and they're like, oh, shoot, I want to watch more of that. And then they click and then you have your view. Um, Free platform. But what would you recommend? Like if I had time, I'm, I'm building a course, I'm recording a podcast, I'm writing a newsletter, I'm also vlogging and I have time to focus on one platform. How should I choose that? What are the mm -hmm. things that I should look at? You did mention things like age, like you have an older audience yeah. on Facebook. So my thought process as you were saying that is, if I'm in sailing, mm -hmm. Facebook would make yes. sense. Is that kind of how you're making those choices? Absolutely. So if you had one platform, I would say Facebook because Facebook still has a massive audience. And since they have groups, it makes it so easy to niche down and access those people. Whereas on Instagram, it's a bit harder to find those groups. You can go to tags, obviously, but there's not groups that exist where you have like this infinite resource of people and um, commentary and message threads and things like that, right? So it makes it a little bit easier to access those people, especially let's say you did a video on how to become a YouTuber, how to be, sorry, how to become a travel YouTuber. And you go to a travel group and you find someone that has a post that says, I would love to exist on YouTube. How do I do that? There you go. There's your in. You post that link, you say, hey, this is what I do. I just created this video. Check this out. There you go. You have an automatic in. Noted. <laughs> yeah. And then anybody else in the comments who are like, oh man, I would love to do this too. Or people who have done it are like, this is what I did. You have that comment there and you're like, hey, this is what I'm doing. I have this product. Check this out. And, you know, hopefully people do that. But also while I'm mentioning that, the power of message threads, you can also go on YouTube and engage within your niche. You know, like if someone has a video that's how to be a successful travel vlogger and they have that video up, you can say, hey, I really enjoyed this video. You have some great key points. I just came out with this program and I would love to hear your thoughts on this video. And then you can link the video and put that in the comments. And I've done that a few times with the videos that we've come out with, especially the DIY stuff. And I would say that four times out of six, we probably get the response. People will come over to our channel, they'll leave a comment on the video, and then, you know, we get the conversion and they become a subscriber. So it's really beneficial to remember that you are a part of a community. 
and actively engage within that community. Remember, you're not the only star. There's other people also actively creating and you want to stoke their creativity because they're going to stoke yours. That doesn't become spammy. What's the line there? Totally. You want to be authentic. That's the biggest thing. Like don't comment on videos if you don't mean it. Don't be, don't be a dick, right? Like you don't want to just spam someone and be like, Hey, great video. Check out mine. You want to be authentic and be like, Hey, I enjoyed your video. Here's something from your video that I liked. Um, I would love your thoughts on this, right? You don't want to just be like, check out my video. You want to, you want to engage with them. You want to start a conversation. Remember that it's two ways. So if you open the door for a two-way conversation, you will have a two-way conversation. That's why when people drop links and run, they don't get the results that they want because they're not, the A, they're not asking a question. They're not um, giving more than they take and they're giving zero context, right? So it's, it's in my comments as well, mm -hmm. where like people, if, when you say something, keep the conversation yeah. going, because exactly. it's really easy to be like, thanks so much. But what you could say is thanks so much. Like, why did you say that? Or like, how, how did this resonate yeah. with you? Or like, what part of this, you know, like you can keep it going and that helps your engagement too. And it also helps you get to know your audience and get more data about them. So you can make more, even the trolls. Yeah. You can get more specific of, um, paid marketing or digital marketing, like things like um, Google ads or Facebook, or even like paying to be in a magazine or something like that. Creator, again, all of these come back to the creator, right? You have to, you have to um, figure out what your goals are online. And if that is to make YouTube like a serious job, then you have to spend money to make money. So if you have the budget to pay for ad campaigns, absolutely go for it. If you don't know how to set up Google ads or meta ads, you can always um, hire someone through Fiverr, or you can hire your friendly neighborhood digital marketer, who's also a sailor. And, you know, you can, you can really reach a bigger audience through paid campaigns. I would be, would suggest going organic for as long as you can, but if you want to try a paid campaign, go for it. If you can afford it, no harm, no foul. I've had a lot of success with low budget campaigns, meaning like $5 campaigns over the course of five days. Um, that reaches a bigger audience. I think the last time I did that, it reached an audience of 10,000. Um, which will measure these kind of things that they're doing. Like there, we've talked about so many different ways where you can put your time and energy. How should they go about measuring all of this? Yeah. So again, it depends on what the goals are, but the metrics and insights into the audience engagement, content performance, the overall channel growth, those are some important metrics to keep in mind. Um, and then obviously the ones relating to YouTube would be the number of times your video has been watched, uh, subscriber growth and viewership. So indicate the initial interest of your content. So watch time is also another one, um, covered that your watch time should improve with time. Um, or your retention, sorry, because you're gaining a core audience that is starting to trust yes. you. And one of the things that I've learned from um, George Blackman, he is the script writer for Ali Abdal and um, Film Booth and a couple other like really massive creators that have like millions of subscribers. And he says that what makes audiences return is having like a grand payoff in every single video. And so you can have yeah. bad retention, but as long as you have that grand payoff, 
over time, you're even just like one video, it can be like at 30% and then it can go up to 60% like a year later, because you have shown your audience over and over and over again, you can trust me to have a grand payoff and I will keep coming okay. back. And then as your videos gain views, you gain trust and trust is the biggest currency of YouTube. Absolutely. So. Yeah, that is, that's a good quote, actually. Trust is the currency. That's good. You should put that on a shirt. <laughs> Growing, you're going to get more engagement and engagement is another metric as well because it's also one of my favorites because if your subscriber count is increasing you're going to get more engagement and consistent growth indicates that your content is resonating with new people so you should ideally be getting more comments that are hopefully nice comments and some more thumbs up and some more shares and hopefully they're sharing on social media because you can actually see in the youtube dashboard where your um traffic's coming from. And if it's coming from, let's say Facebook, you know that people are sharing and talking about your video there. They're talking about your content. And that is so crucial. Word of mouth is so powerful. And that's why when people ask their friends and family, like, hey, please share my video, it goes a long way. You never know who in their friend list cares about your content. And we'll trust them be like, oh, that since they shared this, I'm going to check it out. And then boom, you have a new follower or you have 10 new followers or a hundred or a thousand. So it just snowballs. You want to make sure you're asking your, your audience who trusts you to share this content. And you can do that in gentle ways. Like if you like this video, please check out or please share on Facebook and don't forget to follow us there as well or something like that, you know? So authentic as well, going back to the authenticity of like, look, like I, I, I'm really excited about creating this channel and I really want this to go places. Like, would you be willing to support me? Um, and I found that like, when I really dip into my emotion and my authenticity and the fact that like, I'm really excited about the work that I'm doing, that's always when my call to action resonates the most with my audience. And I get like the most shares or likes or patrons or whatever it is. So 100% and the call to action is very important and that's why when you humanize yourself and you're like hey I make these videos for you this is what it looks like behind the scenes please go share this it means the world to me that is that is true that is authentic you are inviting other people into your real world you're you know dropping the veil for a second and you're being human and that's what people connect with there's so many YouTubers now just outside of adventure as well that are putting on a show like, you know, the Logan Pauls of the world that are like so intense all the time and it's not real. No one thinks that's real. Maybe children do, but you know, like it's not, that's entertainment and that is what it is, but there are real people that exist and it can be exhausting when people think that you are you know, the show that you put on. And Elena put out a video, Elena from La Vagabond put out a video a while ago about burnout. And whether you watch them or not, I think that that video was important because um, whether she intended it to blow up or not, um, that humanized her because she was being very transparent and honest, or at least we hope she was transparent and honest with the fact that creating is exhausting and it is actually exhausting her and she is tired and it was a lot of work. And in those comments, if you scroll through the comments, you have a lot of sympathetic people that are like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize you went through this. So you're humanizing the show, right? And I think that that's very valuable.
that I just finished a book called Influencers and it's um, a researcher who's been studying influencers for the last 15 years. Mm -hmm. And she said that one of the things every big influencer has is you have videos that are like, there's growth videos. There are videos that bond with your audience. Every video should have a different purpose. You can't grow and connect with your audience. I mean, you can, but it's very, very hard. It's really time consuming. But every single creator, every like quarter or so, they'll put out some kind of like heartfelt video where it's very unedited. It's very much like a a spilling of thoughts and they're just like talking to the camera, telling people about something they're going through. And that is like one of the things that sticks out about really, really good creators is there's always some kind of like humanizing moment for them about every quarter, about every six months. Like they do something like that. And I was like, Ooh, okay. I'm not that you should, if it's not authentic, then it's not going to work, but it is something to think about that. Like your audience does want to see you as a person because people get on YouTube to connect. That's the goal. They're trying to connect. Right. And that's social media in general. That is the premise of why social media exists. Social media exists is that it was, it was created to connect. And although now it's become a massive promotional marketing scheme for, you know, multi-million dollar corporations, the basis of it is still the same. It's for connections. Um, and I think that that is so valuable, whether you're using it as a tool to drive your business or you're using it, you know, to truly meet new people and see a different way of life. Because I have made some incredible friends through Instagram. And then when we sail into a new anchorage, it's like, oh my gosh, there are those people that I met online. And that is so cool because the world is so small. And that is another reason you should be kind on the internet because you never know who you're going to run into. We've talked about a few on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Um, My brain is going to the space of like, um, you're looking at individual metrics on YouTube. Is it realistic for people to like, do they need to look at every single platform's metrics or is there a way to zoom out to see like, um, like, you know, you might end up writing letters for an article and you're on Facebook and you're on Instagram and you're on TikTok and you're on YouTube and you're doing all of this yourself. Is there in a way that people should conceptualize or like think about like the goals? Yeah. Like is, is the goal of YouTube to like you look at the views and then therefore it's successful? Like, do you know what I mean? I don't know if that makes I think sense. I get what you mean. And yeah, it sounds like a broken record, but it comes back to creator goals. You have to figure out what your goals are and then go from there. So if your goals are viewership, then yeah, your key performance indicators are going to be, okay, this video hit a good amount of views in comparison to my subscriber count. So I'm going to say this one was successful. But if you're looking across all platforms, um, yeah, again, if your goal is YouTube, then you can look at, okay, my most amount of traffic came from Instagram on this video. What did I do different? Oh, I posted a, a short clip on vi- on Instagram at the time of day where my Instagram users were most active. That's probably why I got more viewership at that time from that platform. So um, yeah, I think it's important to analyze all of your metrics if you are taking any of your creations seriously instead of just posting for fun. I think you need to be at least fluent in the different analytic pages. So understanding how to read the Instagram analytic page, the Facebook analytic page, the YouTube analytic page, and seeing how they all engage with each other because meta itself, their analytics are, it's a little rocky. Most people who work with meta will say that, 
especially Facebook, because Facebook marketing is so tough sometimes. They change things so often. So um, yeah, understanding those platforms, I would say is crucial for success, but you don't need to understand them like a professional. You just need to be aware of the numbers and, you know, figure out what to look for, like what's good, what's bad. Go about learning all of these um, platforms and everything. I was just thinking like right now I'm getting into um, retention graphs. Again, going back to George yeah. Blackman, he, what he does is he takes five videos and he, people send them retention graphs and then he watches the video and it makes an analysis about like why things are dropping off and watching his, videos like has changed my videos personally like I can see my retention graph changing from like learning how to analyze my retention graph so how do you go about that like I've I found one resource but how what how would you recommend someone like me if I want to learn Facebook Instagram all of this what would you recommend I do yeah so luckily a lot of these platforms or at least any good platform is going to have some sort of like creator lab or something like that which will give tips to creators on how to understand the platform better, because the better you understand a platform, the more likely you are to recommend that platform, the more likely you are to use that platform, thus giving the platform more business. Um, If you want to reach beyond just the platform's help, you can always check out websites like HubSpot, which is a marketing um, website, and they give certifications for like inbound marketing, outbound marketing, all of that stuff. And they do have a couple courses, I believe, on social media. It's been a it's been a few years since I've done the HubSpot Academy, but I last time I did it, they were there. Um, so yeah, and also Google is your friend. You can find pretty much anything on the internet these days and in, in the forums and Reddit in particular, there's a Reddit forum for everything. Um, and like the YouTube Reddit forum is actually pretty helpful sometimes, sometimes because Reddit is a okay. scary place. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> but yeah, there's an answer for every question out there. Just learn how to ask the question. You know, you can't just say how, how to be successful on YouTube because you'll get a very generic response. But what you can do is niche down in your content. You need to niche down on your questions. Be very specific and you will get very specific responses. Talked about like Google ads or paid things. We've talked about using social Mm -hmm. media, but we haven't really touched on anything like email marketing or writing articles. Like I've seen, um, especially with the Rome generation, I think it is like a lot of what she you can publicly see her do is the article she gets people in. Yes. How important is that? Is it worth our time? How do you go about that? I had the pleasure of working with Erin from Rome Generation PR on a number of occasions. She is a genius in the PR space, and she has so many connections that can get you in those bigger articles like uh, Business Insider, uh, New York Times. Like She has those connections, and she has the tact to do it. Um, and I think that if you have a good story to tell, you are capable of getting yourself published as well. Maybe not in those bigger, you know, publications, just because you do kind of have to have an inside to connect with those publishers. But for like sailing magazines, you can definitely reach their publishers and connect with them if you have a good story to tell. Um, You know, we sell a lot of our articles to different sailing magazines because we've done a lot of DIY stuff, but we've, we've also done a lot of sailing stuff. So I have really honed in on my craft of writing and kind of made that not kind of, working on the confidence. I have made that my thing. I am a writer. That is what I do. 
And I have really enjoyed it. And for my clients, I've helped them discover that they are capable of telling those stories as well. They might just need some help with their delivery. And I excel at helping them edit things accordingly so they can have their time to shine as well. So yes, uh, getting yourself into magazines, it is much easier than some might think. You just have to do the work and write about yourself a little bit and, you know, loosen up. If you have a good story, then tell it. Um, I think that if you want to do it more casually, you can make a blog site. And I think blog sites are so valuable for backlinking because you can include all of your social media in one place. So you can tell, you know, more background on your YouTube video. You can include links to your Instagram, to your Twitter or X, to your TikTok page and all of that stuff. So that is valuable as well. Um, yeah. Did that answer the question? <laughs> I guess the only thing I would add is um, I haven't written an article for a magazine for a really long time, but when I was going through like learning to sail and then obviously yeah. going through the hospital system and dealing with the emergency that we dealt with, um, one of the things that I found to be really effective is just make sure for one, the smaller the magazine and more niche it is, the easier it is going to be get into. Um, so I found one yes. that was like called Mind Food, and it's about people like challenging their thought processes. And I was able to find a, a frame an article in a way that would suit that magazine. And it was a little bit mm -hmm. less competitive. And my story was unique in that setting. So trying to find something that's like maybe a bit more niche and you can provide a unique perspective compared to the other content, I think is a really good way to go about it as well. That's all connections too. Cause once you have that connection, then you can send them more articles and then you get published more and it's all backlinks to your YouTube channel or whatever the heck else you're trying to do. So, um, YouTube ads, you've done all the social media platforms. What about email? Email lists. So personally for our Avocet page, I use MailChimp, which is a free platform. It's so easy to use. It's drag and drop. And I started that for our friends and family who were interested in our sailing and all the updates because we would get the same questions from so many people constantly. So I'm like, you know what? One newsletter, I'm answering all the questions. Everyone is updated. I include our most recent video. I include all of the publications for the month. I include our blog posts for the month and any other news. And then at the bottom, I do enough about us. Let's hear about you. And I put in that box all the celebrations from our friends and family. Like I mentioned birthdays, uh, any babies that were born, any celebrations or things like that, because, um, as much as, you know, we like sharing about us, we also like celebrating our community. So that is what I do for Avocet slash personally, but I also do that for some clients now too. And I think in the adventure space, you don't want to get spammy. So I think if you do something once a month or bi-annually, bi-monthly, I think it can take you very far, you know, just including all of your recent works because someone might have missed it on YouTube or they might have missed it or they might be taking a little break from social media in general. And um, yeah, by sending out the email, you have everything there. It's like, oh, shoot, I guess I didn't see the update. So let me go check that out real quick. So it's just one more contact, um, one more way of contact to get those views no matter if you're writing, YouTubing, or Instagramming. That I'm in, one of the things, he's got a course on email marketing, or not email marketing, just like newsletters or email marketing. Mm -hmm. And he said that it's really important before you create a newsletter 
that you should have like a goal in mind. Like the goal, it sounds like for you, your goal is to get them to view your YouTube videos. And so when you think about that, then you can think about the content that would point in that direction. Whereas for me, my goal is to build trust around the fact that I can be a leader in the creative adventure space so that they will mm -hmm. eventually trust me and buy the course that I'm creating right now. Yeah. So I think that also remembering like, what are your goals when you're doing that? So that, because if, if I were to do what you're doing, Doing and attract mm -hmm. people that aren't necessarily creators, then when it comes time to like sell my course, I'm not going to have um, a valuable audience. They're not going to have any yeah. value to me. And so I need to provide the value to them that will, totally. is going to be aligned, if that makes sense. Totally. So what I would, just one recommendation, if you're up for hearing it, something I would include in, in an email or a newsletter is I would include people in the community like, hey, I checked out this video and I think that there's a lot of valid points here. You guys might be interested in it because then you're adding that trust because you are giving your stamp of approval on something that aligns with your ethos of what you're trying to sell. So the more um, valid content that you are providing your audience with, the more they are going to trust you and be like, okay, she knows what she's talking about um, 100%. I'm going to buy and trust whatever else, you know, she gives me. So just keep in mind this. Um, if I am a brand new person just at this and, and I'm overwhelmed because I am learning so much. There's so yes. much to come. I'm learning how to sail. I'm learning how to fix my boat. I'm learning how to film. I'm learning how to script. Mm -hmm. Where should I focus my efforts? Where's the most impactful place for me to learn and grow first? So Assuming you want to excel on YouTube, right? Is that what you want to do as a- Yes, I want okay. views to grow because I haven't quite okay. figured out all of this stuff. Yeah, just kidding. <laughs> yeah. You're busy and you don't have time. So I yeah. would learn that platform, like the back of your hand. And luckily YouTube is a great platform to learn because you have YouTube videos. So you can look up anything you want. So learn as much as you can, be a sponge, you know, accept differing points of views. There's a million different ways to do one thing. So find something that resonates with you. Don't be afraid to experiment and don't be too hard on yourself either because it is busy work. And especially when you're starting out to get your first 10 subscribers can feel so, so tough, but you know, then you get your next 10, then you get your next 10, then you get your next 100 and it snowballs. And if you are not afraid to put in the work, you will get the results. So just keep at it and keep learning the platform you are most invested in. And then when you do have a little bit more time, branch out into the other platforms and work on your branding and just make sure that your messaging across the board is consistent and you will find your people that will be stoked on what you're doing and rally behind you. And um, yeah, just be you and have fun because at the, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about is just having fun. Having fun, that comes through on your videos. It's, people are going to see that you have to be enjoying the process. Otherwise, it's totally going to come through. Your videos won't be as much fun. They're not going to be as enjoyable to watch. So, yeah. How can people find you and what are your services? Well, for, so for our Avocet videos and content, you can look us up on YouTube, Sailing Avocet. You can hit us up on Instagram, SV Avocet. Any social media platform really is SV Avocet or our website, svavocet.com. Consistency is key. Or for my services for my business, uh, Fairwinds Media, you can look up my website, fairwindsmediamarketing.com, or you can hit me up through Avocet's account or my Fairwinds Media Marketing Instagram. Um, where you think I exist online, you can 
contact me because I am probably there waiting for your message and I will respond quickly. <laughs> for listening to this episode, if you found any value in this at all, you could help me grow by sharing this podcast with someone else in the adventure space or leave me a five-star review on Apple or on um, Spotify podcast or whatever your podcast listening device is. It really does help me grow and this is not free to produce and I make no money off it at this point. So thank you so, so much and I will see you in two weeks.